podcast about something where each week we dive deep into whatever it is we find interesting. I'm your host, Calvin, and joining me from the dojo, it's your co-host, Nick Richardson. I've heard many of Kia's and Wahala's in very of different... screams, too. Oh, dude. Yeah, very good. And the... Those are great, too. Anytime someone breaks a limb, which is many times in this genre. Yeah, so we are here today to give out Kung Fu movie superlatives. So finally. each month... Huh? I said finally. Yeah, Nick has been waiting for this for a long time. Uh, I do not watch bit. Kung Fu movies. I have watched some leading up to this episode, so I was not looking forward to it. But uh, I, I had some fun with this. Uh, each month, we uh, since like the middle of 2018, we have set out to give some made-up awards to different types of movies. Uh, and we give out the awards for like different tropes and cliches that fit it within that type of movie. And we can only give out one out each award to a single movie, and no single movie can receive more than one award. Um, at some point, we also started giving out the succulatives, which it kind of started as a joke, and then we just rolled with it. And these are the exact opposites of the superlatives, so they're the worst version of everything. This genre is ripe with both. Yeah. Good and it, bad. It, and it's sometimes hard to navigate which one is which, because sometimes they're, like, so bad that they're good, and you come all the way around on it. Right, or, you know, there's portions of it that are so bad, and then very minimal sections that are so brilliant that it kind of, you know, makes up for the bad. Exactly. Uh, so Kung Fu, if you're unfamiliar, like I was prior to this, uh, this is the Chinese martial arts, also called Wushu or Kwamfa. In China, it refers to any study, learning, or practice that requires patience, energy, and time to complete. Uh, in its original meaning, Kung Fu can refer to any discipline or skill achieved through hard work and practice, not necessarily martial arts. Now, I will say, I didn't know that before earlier today when I copied it from Wikipedia. <laughs> so all of these movies that we're covering actually do delve into the martial arts side of it. It's not just anything that takes time and practice. Otherwise, like, remember, the Titans would be up here again. Coach Carter would be up here. Coach Carter's Kung Fu is fucking savage, dude. Yeah. Shit. He gets worm running those suicides, no doubt. Is this kung fu? You know the meme where he's like pointing at the butterfly? oh yeah, the little butterfly thing. Yes, is this kung fu? So Nick, in your mind, what makes a kung fu movie a kung fu movie? Uh, when they at least shout their fighting style one time. That's a that's okay. a big one. Um, also hand to hand combat. It can be with weapons or, but that's got to be the like the main source of handling things, if you know mm -hmm. what I mean. So Batman movies are kung fu movies. He definitely uses a lot of kung fu, but that's more of a means to an end. This is more of like a discipline. They just go. Batman uses a lot of other methods to solve problems. Not just Kung Fu. Most of these are pretty much just Kung Fu. You cut me in line, Kung Fu. You fucking step on my sneaker, Kung Fu. You jump my rope, Kung Fu. You're shipping hookers to an island and then out from the island and then killing them on the island, Kung Fu. Fucking Kung Fu. Yeah, I kind of boiled it down to pretty much any movie where the bulk of the combat is hand-to-hand -hand martial arts or foot-to-foot -foot in some cases. Weapons uh, counts, you know. Some weapons, but but still, like, 
handheld weapons uh, of, of a swords, certain... knives, daggers, right, those types of things. No handguns. Yeah, no guns, no grenades, anything like that. Nunchucks are dope. Yeah. Ooh, I didn't even think about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Those would all qualify. Yeah. What am I doing here? Mm-hmm. All right, I've rewritten my whole list. They're all just the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movies. See, here's what I did, though. I left off Ninja Turtles because I kind of wanted to stick. I'm just going to go ahead and spoil that for you. And I left off another one that I can't think of, uh, Kill Bill. Ah, see, I didn't. That was Very, one of the ones I watched. I stayed away from some of the more major kung fu movies because I think the, the littler ones have better stuff. Well, I'll, I'll do the bulk of the talking on the, the uh, bigger ones because those were the first ones I kind of went to. Like I said, I don't have a lot of familiar, familiar, familiar familiarity, familiarity with this genre coming into it. So I tried to go after some classics, some Bruce Lee stuff, some Jet Li stuff, and, and then the, the kind of bigger name ones, like you said, Kill Bills, Matrixes, Kung Fu Panda, that type stuff. Didn't even think about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. That would have given me a lot more to go from without having to watch more movies. Um, <laughs> Oops. Yeah, but that's that's fine. That's fine. Uh, so so we'll get into giving these awards out. Today we're giving out five, well, really ten awards, best and worst. So we give out the best and worst fight sequence, the best and worst protagonist, the best and worst choreography or stunt, the best and worst stakes, uh, like why are they kung fuing? What's what's the point? What goal are they trying to accomplish? And the best and worst finishing move. Can't have a kung fu movie without somebody just blasting the shit out of you at the end. <laughs> I mean, just hammer fisting you to death, basically. Exactly. Yeah, that would have been, or like, yeah, what fighting style do they yell out? That would have been a good one too. Could have been, but you know, we didn't do that. I'm from Dojo Abraham. You could have gone with, I mean, you could kind of fit that in a choreography or stunt or a uh, fight sequence too, you know? They open the fight sequence by screaming, exactly. House of the I Pig! So let's get right into it. Start with best fight sequence. I'm going to go first, uh, so that way, well, hold on, you uh, get the last award. You get to put the nail in the coffin. Usually I'm the one that puts the nail in the coffin, but this is your realm. These kung fu movies are yours. You need to get all of that glow at the end of this episode. So that's why I'm going first here. Oh, he does uh, like me, you guys. <laughs> my insight into Kung Fu movies is not going to be nearly <laughs> as good as yours. So I want to end on the high note of you talking about something that you know about rather than me BSing something about some, that I watched like six movies on. And then he yelled, style of the dragon. So for best fight sequence, I went straight to Kill Bill volume one. And that is uh, her handling her business, the bride handling her business uh, to get to Oren Ishii. Not the actual fight with Lucy Liu's character, but everything that happened from walking into their dojo or, or whatever it is to actually having that last face off. She dispatches these first few women guards pretty brutally. Then uh, the backup comes in on their motorcycles, and the the scene switches to black and white, which is really fucking cool. Oh yeah! And she just continues to mow through all these mostly useless henchmen. Um, the great choreography there. It's brutal. The black and white really makes it stand out and look beautiful. Like I was doing, I was watching this movie while I worked, and it once it switched to black and white, like I was just fixated on the movie for a few minutes. I was I wasn't on a meeting or anything. I was just you know typing some emails or some shit, and I was just like. I had to stop what I was doing and, and watch that, and it was it was awesome. You know why they did that? 
to get me fixated on it. Actually, it was more of a uh, a choice because if they had that scene in it colorized, then it would be in C seventeen. C seventeen. That's yes. interesting. But I think I it's just another another kind of thing that Quentin Tarantino has done that's absolutely brilliant. That's his natural talent kind of coming through, I think. Just get around yeah. this bullshit, and it's beautiful. I'm not one of these like Tarantino heads. I, I, I like the movies I have seen, which are Pulp Fiction, Django Unchained, uh, the Once Time, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and now both Kill Bills. I think are the only ones I've seen of his. Inglorious Bastards. Uh, yeah, I've seen that one too. Reservoir Dogs. Nope, haven't seen that one. Oh. Before my time. Uh. I, I like them, but they're not like these movies that I want to go watch and over and over again. And I'm not like one of these Tarantino nerds who knows all this information about them. And, I, you know, that, that doesn't do it. <laughs> you fucking nerd, Nick. But, I mean, I'm a nerd about plenty other things. Just not Quentin Tarantino. Just not cool shit? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, like, Tarantino also chooses great music in this scene. Um, it It's so epic, and it helps just keep moving the scene forward as she goes kind of from room to room and type of henchman to henchman. And then after the black and white, it switches to that silhouette against, like, the blue light background, which is really cool again. And I just felt like he really put everything he had into that one scene. And I, had, I, I hadn't watched a ton of the classic kung fu movies when I had watched Kill Bill yet. But you could tell where he was trying to kind of pay homage to all of these classic scenes. She's got that yellow suit like Bruce Lee and Enter the Dragon. And just the choreography looked very old school kung fu movie. And, you know, I think he did a great job of incorporating those homages without taking away from the action in any meaningful way. Like, it, it's really easy to go, well, I want to make sure she's wearing this outfit to look like Bruce Lee. And, but I'm going to make sure you focus on this outfit and take you completely out of the context of the scene. He never does that. He he keeps the scene moving forward while paying homage to all these old movies. And just that whole scene, it reminded me a lot of the church scene in Kingsman. And, well, really, I guess Kingsman is more like that scene than the other way around. It's the crazy, um, over-the-top violence. Exactly. The eventual sword fight with Lucy Liu is not very good. Um, except like the I'll snow see. setting that it's in is really cool, but it it's not great. The cinematography is pretty sick, and the effects are also solid. But mm -hmm. I think, I mean, I really I love the scene you're talking about where she's fighting the crazy 88s, and that in itself is totally a callback to the old school kung fu movie, where the the one man army stereotype, mm -hmm. and yeah, it's also with the the yellow jumpsuit. It's really easy to follow her throughout the scene because she's in a yeah. setting that's brown. Everyone she's fighting is pretty much dressed in a suit and tie. So, you know, the Which the is another yellow, good look. Always it, a great it's, it's look clean. in these movies when they go like the bad guys are in suits. It's always great. They look clean as shit. Rush Hour likes to do that too. They also look clean as shit. Chris Tucker can rock a goddamn suit. Jackie Chan, I don't know. So what do you got for the best fight sequence? What I've been telling you to watch for literal years. Yeah, I watched it. Not the... impressed. I think we lost Nick. He's gone. And so the final month of the podcast <laughs> about something will just be me by myself now. I just had to lean back in my chair for a second and silently explode. <laughs> Actually, Best he was screaming scene. that whole time. I just silenced his microphone uh, at the end of it. 
just ferrets screaming into my shirt. The <laughs> fight scene at the end of Flashpoint, starring Donnie Yen from 2007. Uh, it's Donnie Yen fighting Colin Cho. And basically, Donnie Yen is playing a hardcore detective who fucks a lot of people up. He's He basically just beats people to death routinely in, in Hong Kong. And it's set before uh, Hong Kong is returned to or reincorporated by China. So a lot of tensions at the time. And basically, someone gets killed. Donnie Yen goes after the ringleader, who is Colin Chow. And both of these guys are some of the best martial artists of all time. And it culminates in like a nine-minute just fight to the death, yeah, it's basically. Long. It's so good, dude. It's unreal. Donnie Yen switches between what, seven, eight different fighting styles throughout the scene. The choreography is insane. Timing's insane. Music's dope. These guys are going full bore. And you can absolutely tell that they're just nailing it. This I'll is give- one of the... I was going to say, this is one of the few movies where I really appreciated the view cuts. Like, it shifted at several kind of key points, like when a fist would connect or a, a foot would drop, and it worked. Normally, it doesn't work because it feels disjointed, but these guys absolutely nailed it, man. It's so smooth. I'll give Donnie Yen some credit. He did a great job in this movie. Um, I didn't know... So, like... When I was going into it, I was like, I know the name Donnie Yen somewhere. I know it somewhere. I can't figure it out. He's fucking Chirrut in Rogue One. Yes. For all those people who are, are plebes on the Kung Fu like me. But he, he made his Four. name in movies like Flashpoint and Ip Man and all of that. So um, it was really cool to see him like fully unleashed as opposed to like what Chirrut is in Rogue One, which is, is a, a great monk. character, but he doesn't go full in except in that one scene. Well, and Donnie Yen... I think he knows like 15 or 16 martial arts. He fought, I think, semi-professionally in the UFC. Like he had a couple couple matches there. This dude could bang. No joke. Yeah, and he, he produced and directed some of these movies too. Yeah, you can tell the ones he's he did. It's, it's gratuitous sometimes. But I want to give some credit to Colin Chow here, the, his opposition. That dude is also very, very good. Yeah, it, it takes a lot to get the shit beat out of you for nine minutes. Dude, he was – he had Donnie Yen on the ropes for like six minutes of that. He's longer, leaner. It's it's a good – these guys aren't like ridiculously jacked, superpowered people. They're, you know, mm-hmm. one's kind of tall and skinny, one's short and medium. Yeah, they're martial artists. Yeah, they're martial artists. They're there to fuck each other up with their fists, feet, and the environment. And they do a good job of that. Uh, Global warming's killing us all, Nick. Thanks for bringing that up. Yeah. Where's Al Gore when I need him? Yeah. Using the environment to fuck each other up. That's not tight, man. I have asthma now because of you. You dick. Way to go, Donnie bro. It's for life. Spraying aerosols and shit. (laughs) Before I, uh... Before me and my... Like, right when my wife and I originally got together, I was in a kung fu movie kick, and I discovered all these movies I'm going to talk about. Yes, she did. Yes, she did. And it took her nine years to finally look at me and be like, I don't care about this. My wife did that with the rest of development with me. I was talking, like, early in the relationship, we were talking about, like, these shows that we like. And I was like, oh, yeah, I love Arrested Development. It's really funny and smart and how they pull all these jokes together. And she's like, oh, yeah, it's really great. And she hates it. 
she just she liked you. Oh. Apparently. Yeah, but I mean, it took my wife a while to finally admit it. She knew it would hurt me. You guys are having a fight over some other nonsense, and she's just like, and I hate kung fu movies, so fuck them and fuck you. Fuck you. I do it real bad with, like, super dope fight scenes in anime, too. I, like, yeah. I was showing her, a, I was trying to show her a Demon Slayer fight scene, and she's like, honey, honey, I don't care. Like, I, I'm not like you. I don't care. Look, I'm <laughs> like, in the same boat. I don't like these long, extended fight scenes that are, like, eight to ten minutes. It's that's gratuitous. That's a one-of-a-kind in a sense, like, I just the pacing of that, at least. I just zone out because nothing's actually happening. I know the good guy's going to win the fight, especially hey, if it's at the end of the movie. They're literally fighting. Like, nothing's happening. They're fucking each other. Like, they're fucking each other up. I, I we'll, think we'll, it's... we'll put a pin in that and come back to it, okay? See, I don't like I... watching real fights, but good fights like that, I'm down for. Let us know on Twitter. Is it a dope fight scene? So let's now talk about not dope fight scenes. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. With the worst fight sequence, I went with Bloodsport. Uh, and not, this is no Jean-Claude Van Damme fight. It was the uh, bouncing around black guy who was just like jumping all over the place versus the big sumo dude. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. So the black guy is full on caricature type fighting style that, that's supposed to look African probably. Did um, not he's like just that. bouncing around on all fours. And, you know, the big dude, he just kind of stands there and kind of flinches every time he gets hit. And then eventually he walks over to him and bear hugs him into submission. Like, that is not a good fight sequence at any moment. It was fucking awful. It was awful. You got the very the very stereotypical, pretty much racist black guy, and then right? the sumo just, like, standing there and then hugging him for Dude, five seconds. Let's be real. That was a Jean-Claude Van Damme decision. Uh, it was 1988, and there was a shitload of cocaine on set. That was racist. Oh, that yeah. was it was so stereotyped. I did not like Bloodsport either. It it I remember again, watching that when I was like nine. Not dude. very good storyline going on there. He's just gotta go fight it's in terrible. this tournament. Cool. It's it's more convoluted than that. It's he's like a, a fighter who fucking runs away from his commitment so he can go to Hong right. Kong. It's the tournament of a lifetime, it's blood sport. Get the Apparently fuck based out on of a true here. story, who knew? Yeah, I mean, who knew it happened to Jean-Claude and his buddy Steven Seagal? I don't know if you've ever heard of Bloodsport 7, The New Blood. What was your worst fight sequence? Uh, The Man with the Iron Fists. Oh, I got that somewhere later, don't worry. DZA versus... God, I can't think of his name. Dave Batista as oh, Brass yeah. Body. Uh, terrible. Terrible. Yeah, it wasn't good. It was like it was it was like Dragon Ball Evolution with less budget. It was fucking awful. The di the dialogue was atrocious. The only thing that I thought redeemed it in the slightest was DZA actually went with the physics of having super heavy iron hands on or iron fucking. You mean the RZA? Hands. I don't know why I keep saying DZA. I don't know. I'm fucking. It's the RZA. Wu Tang Clan ain't nothing to fuck with. Man, I feel like an asshole now. That's okay. I corrected you. We're good. The physics of it, okay? So, yeah. like, when he, he kind of throws his hand out wide, he swings a little bit because of the weight. That was the only redeeming mm -hmm. factor. But otherwise, terrible. 
Not a good movie. I I knew it wasn't a good movie, but I specifically watched it. Atrocious, dude. Yeah, no, I specifically watched it because the last things on my list that I had to fill in, I I needed two worst uh, awards to give out. So I was like, well, I can watch this bad movie and definitely get one. You can probably get thirty. Well, yeah, I I could have. You could have put worst for literally every. You could have put the man with the iron fist for every succulative on this very easily. (laughs) So bad. Yeah, it's not good. I remember getting all hyped for it. I'm like, oh, dope. Eli yeah, Ross Russell is part Crow. of this. Yeah. What? This rapper? Like, tight. Russell Crowe? Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. Oh, my God, dude. Fucking uh, Johnny Tran from Fast and Furious is in there. Unreal, man. How did... Yeah. Who made this movie? Did he pay for this out of pocket? There is a... Yeah, I don't know. He's terrible. He's not good. Not a good director. Uh, not a very good actor. These fucking horrible, man. Did well, you have the, the Dragon Ball Z it, nerds at school? Not really. I didn't really talk to them. We had, like, a couple. There were only 35 kids in my graduating class, so. Oh, fuck, man. I had, like, 350. But anyway, there was these this group of kids who, like, when they got really upset, they would scream at the top of their lungs and, like, stand there, you know, trying to puff themselves out, like, staring mm-hmm. off to the side like they're fucking hard. Uh, that's what it reminded me of. It's like, man, were you bullied in school? Yeah, the closest thing we had was the kid would do um, – we had one kid that would do, like, the hand motions, right? Like, they're gathering up the, the hamaneya or whatever. Kamehameha? Yeah. Kamehameha. That's all he would do. He would just, like – he'd just kind of sit there when he was bored, and that was, like, his version of doodling. He'd just sit there and do, like, these kind of hand motion things. Um, but, like, he wouldn't, like, push it out or anything. He'd just sit there like he's gathering it up. Uh, that was we didn't have anybody doing the actual screen. Genius, dude. We Man. it was sick. These kids were awesome. Fucking loved them. Maybe arguing. Yeah. <sighs> the worst part about the Man with the Iron Fist is the Rizzo put like a lot of work and study into it. Like he studied Shaolin martial arts and like all of this stuff. He was very in tune with the culture he was trying to appropriate. <laughs> I guess he's just a bad writer, you know. He's he's just a bad storyteller, and I guess there's his version was like four hours long or something, and they kind of cut, cut down to an hour and forty five minutes. That's still too long. It's too long. That movie could be thirty five minutes, and I'd be okay. I I will say like the the general feel of the time period is okay. Like there's some obviously made up shit, but. Um, yeah, he did a DC. He did some some research. He just can't write for anything and can't yeah, act for anything. Yeah, he's not a good storyteller. No, he doesn't look like a martial artist in this or a blacksmith even. He looks like a blacksmith who he's literally an just slave Nick. Somehow he got to China from America. I mean, Yusuke got to Japan, but I'm just saying blacksmiths, dude. Like the RZA doesn't look like a goddamn blacksmith I've ever seen in my life, and I've seen like three. Whoa. Alright, so let's move to the best protagonist. You go first here. Who you got? Ipmon. Literally any Ipmon movie. Gonna, you're just going to pick Donnie Yen for everything, aren't you? Yep. Get ready, y'all. Donnie Yen through the whole list. Um, <clears throat> I'm going with the first movie specifically. Did you watch the first Ipmon? I, no, I didn't get to it. It's pretty compelling. Uh, as a protagonist, basically he's a affluent... Chinese martial arts instructor and this is during the like 
the build up to World War Two, so the rape of Nan King and stuff like that. Oh, it might be World War One actually. I think it was World War One. I. I think it's because I, I read I read right the after. Um, like the synopsis when choosing to watch that like or 1918. Flashpoint. So it's 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 kind of during yeah basically when China's getting raped by by Japan. Uh, so there's these like Japanese soldiers that kind of take over his section his his area. So he has to leave that profession and. I don't know. It's really kind of silly. Like one of the Japanese commanders is a hard ass motherfucker who thinks his Kung Fu is better than anyone else's Kung Fu and eventually kills one of Donnie Yen's homeboys. And he has to, he has to let him know, we'll fuck y'all up. And also this is Bruce Lee's teacher in real life. Yes. I did read that. So yeah, the the character he's playing is Bruce Lee's teacher in real life, right? Correct. Yeah. Ipman was a, a real it, dude. Obviously, it's very exaggerated, but he was a unique character. He practiced Wing Chun, um, which is more of like a feminine. Wing Chun tonight. tonight. But Everybody have fun tonight. No? Dude, you should have done it with the Batman voice. Everybody Everybody Wing Chun. Chun. <laughs> then you could call that a martial arts movie. But uh, it's have fun. <laughs> he doesn't though he doesn't well he probably has sadistic fun anyway that's the best protagonist he's he's such a sweet dude he's very calm mild manner practices a uh, feminine defensive form of martial arts and tries not to hurt people but they just try to out fucking kung fu him helps a lot of people out you know protects the neighborhood he's a good cat I like him it's like a Chinese Captain America. No? Uh, close. Yeah, almost. There you go. Uh, so my best protagonist was Blade from Blade. Oh, dude, nice. Blade Some motherfuckers was... are always trying to ice skate uphill. Uh, dude, that opening scene in the original Blade is so good. That Kung Fu is sick. He's a half – for anybody who doesn't know who Blade is, he's a half vampire that can walk around in the daylight, and he kills other vampires using kung fu and swords. Uh, he's you called can't, the Daywalker. Yeah. You can't tell me that there's a better hero in a kung fu movie than that. I, I won't allow it. Don't at me on it. Shang-Chi? Nope. It's Blade. For, and, for release movies, I'm going with Blade. And just to throw this out there, to be played in the future by Mahershala Ali. Yes, yeah, that'll be, be really good so too. Well, I want to talk about Wesley Snipes because he is such a perfect badass in this movie, too. And I'm not sure how he pulled it off, but he definitely seems to get it when it comes to Blade. He he does a great job of He's this. He's literally Blade in real life. That is, like, what Wesley Snipes acts I don't like. know that that's true. Like, I don't ever think of Wesley Snipes as this great actor. He's, he's really good at being, like, this swindler or this really braggadocious guy. Like, he is in White Men Can't Jump, Major League, New Jack City, all those movies. And Blade, like, kind of fits into that, but it's also a little bit deeper than all of those things. And he does a good job of capturing that depth somehow, at least in the first movie. The other movies kind of got away from his depth a little bit. But I I haven't ever seen that much depth out of Wesley Snipes in other performances, really. He embodied Blade. That was just his his thing. And he did great. So, shout out Blade. Yeah, that opening... 
That opening scene is so good. It really that, is. That first movie is really underrated, and that jump-started the, the whole Marvel Cinematic Universe, basically. Or superhero uh, genre. Wasn't X-Men before it? I think Blade was before X-Men, but I think wow, X-Men really got the, got the love. Let's see. IMDB.com. Blade. Blade is 98, and I think X-Men was 2000. X-Men... When was Spider-Man, though? Yep, you're right on X-Men. Spider-Man, I think, was 99. Oh, 2002. Jesus, that was really late. So, I just thought yeah. that was earlier. Yeah, Blade. Shout out, Blade. My guy. Thank you for burning me out on superheroes, you yeah. son of a bitch. This all started 23 years ago, and it's your fault now that we don't want to watch it anymore. Yeah. Yeah! Right when they're about to make some actual kung fu superhero movies. I know. I'm so pumped for Shang-Chi. Shang-Chi looks really good. And the Eternals look good, too. I'm very curious about the Eternals. Very apprehensive. I think it'll be a big world-building movie, which I I like. I hope it'll be a big world-building movie. I want it to be like a big, just not over-the-top, but colorful, just piece of, you know, cinema. Like, the yeah. cinematography looks fantastic. All the practical effects look great. The colors look awesome. I'm I'm ready for another really bright, vibrant Marvel movie. Like, Let's Thor Ragnarok it. was... I didn't realize I needed that as much as I did. That shit was awesome. So who do you have for the worst protagonist? Recent pick. This is the most recent one I got. It's Donnie Yen in Rogue One. I'm just kidding. Uh, it's Cole Young for Mortal Kombat that was released oh, yeah. this year. Cole Young. Yeah, that's a good pick. He fucking sucks, dude. That the actor is terrible. Like I was We've reading... got three hundred characters in the Mortal Kombat universe. Let's make a new one that just fucking sucks. I mean, he would be cool if the actor was remotely decent, but he is horrendous. And I, I read an article. They're like, oh, why do you think you you know don't get consistent work in Hollywood? He's like, oh, you know, kind of hedged on a racial thing. And then I watch Mortal Kombat because, you know, I'm like, man, that sucks for that dude. At least he's getting yeah, his he's big break now. He's terrible. He is fucking awful. Well, in the movie, the movie's not good uh, from a like a storytelling or dialogue standpoint. It, it's fun, which is which is what you're there for for a Mortal Kombat movie, I think. Yes, I, um, I really enjoyed it. But like everybody else kind of goes all in on the hamminess of it. And he is stuck between this, well, this shit's not believable, but also I'm going to play it serious at the same time. And he he just doesn't do either side of it justice. He's just off. Like, his yeah. his reactions and emotions to things are just off. Like, something tragic looked like it happened. I, I can't remember which scene exactly, but it was like something tragic was going on. And he's, like, super, like, is everything okay? Like, are, are you good? It, it was a reaction that didn't make sense to me at all. It was like polar opposite of what it should have been. And that was – that happened many times. Mm-hmm. Well, plus he had – like when he got his superpower, it was the Dave Batista from Man with the Iron Fist superpower, which is the dumbest superpower in the world. Yeah, he, he got a suit of armor that's flexible and some batons. It's yeah, like, and some batons. What the fuck is this shit? This dude shoots fireballs and good another guy can freeze good enough to bring down everything. Sub-Zero apparently. Yeah, whack. Well, he needed his ancestor, Scorpion. Get over here! 
the first iteration of his get over here in the commercials was terrible. They fixed it a little bit. Yeah. They fixed it a little bit, but they still didn't get it there. Just like take the audio from the game. Who cares? We got it. You got to get that right. I really, really liked it. Not going to lie, man. I I don't know the actor's name off the top of my head, but he's one of my favorites. Um, He's been in a lot of Kung Fu movies and he is super good at Scorpion. Yes, I I liked the character of Scorpion. I just the get over here still wasn't right. It sounded really fucked up. It's like he went to a you know a speech therapist or something after he recorded that first one and got it down. Yeah. So for the worst protagonists, I picked the one and only Karate Kid, Daniel Larusso. Fuck Not... this kid. He is a whiny bitch throughout the movie. Doesn't want to move from New Jersey to California. Like, who the fuck is going, nah, California sucks. I want to stay in New Jersey. I'm Nobody. I'm trying to stay at the shore. He instigates the Cobra Kai kids after their sensei told them to stop messing with him. So he just starts going after him at that point. He's an asshole to Mr. Miyagi when he's trying to impart some wisdom on him. And, like, I get it that the Cobra Kai are the bullies and they're the bad guys because they win karate tournaments and <gasps> they smoke weed. But they smoke. Have you ever done karate on weed? weed? And like they start out fucking with him mostly unprompted, but everything after the initial two beatings, like they they get him on the beach when he's talking to Johnny Lawrence's ex-girlfriend and then they run him down on their bikes. Everything after that is on Daniel LaRusso. He tackles a kid during soccer tryout like he's fucking Bart Scott. He brings Miyagi to the Cobra Kai dojo to tell their sensei that they should stop fucking with him instead of, like, dealing with it himself. And then at school, he just starts punking all the Cobra Kai kids because he knows they won't fight back because their sensei told him not to. And it's just really shitty. Yeah, he's not a tight kid, man. No. His only Jalen Smith. His only redeeming quality is his ability to flirt with Johnny Lawrence's ex-girlfriend. He's actually, like, really good with her. Yeah, they got good chemistry. He's macking on her hard. And I'm not I'm not on this whole like Johnny Lawrence is the real hero of the movie, like that whole thing. He's kind of equally shitty and definitely a bully. But I just want to give Danny his credit for sucking. Also, it's yeah. it's possible that everyone in a movie just sucks, and that's what happens here. Hey man, Mr. Miyagi's fucking fucking dope. Okay, Miyagi's good, and the girlfriend's okay. She doesn't do very much. Like there you they go. they just don't give her much to do. Acceptable, acceptable. And so I just want to address this before we move on. In recent years, Daniel LaRusso has gotten shit because he cheated in the finals against Johnny Lawrence with his crane kick. I don't think that's true. He I, he didn't cheat. Because I true? watched it. Huh? How is it cheating? Well, people say, so the argument is that the kid that he was matched up with in the semifinals got ejected for... Uh, an illegal kick to the face or something like that. So then Danny goes into the next round and kicks Johnny Lawrence in the face. And that that's just not true. Like what well, he did. But so when they first get there, the only rules, his girlfriend says the only rules are anything above the waist. You get a point. You can hit the head, you can hit the chest, you can hit the kidneys, etc. Uh So kicking the head completely legal. That's not why the other kid got disqualified. Um, so the next complaint is that the flying part of the crane kick was illegal because that's what the other kid in the semifinal got disqualified for too, is that he was flying or whatever, but, or like he left both his feet to do it. And that's not true either. Uh, so all these people arguing that he, he did something illegal to win the fight 
you're you're just wrong and you don't remember the movie correctly because I watched it and then I rewound and watched it again to make sure I can make this point because the <laughs> the kid in the semifinals was disqualified for excessive and deliberate contact because more or less he tried to injure Daniel he he did everything he could to actually inflict pain and injury on Daniel he wasn't doing like a real karate move uh so from what I can tell Daniel won fair and square. And we've just been been being fed this Billy Zabka propaganda for the past ten or so years. Feeding us bullshit. Yeah. It's Hillary. Her emails. The whole premise of it, like Cobra Kai all got started because Johnny Lawrence was cheated out of the victory or whatever. But I'm here to say Daniel Larusso won the All Valley Karate Championship. He's a whiny bitch, but the win is still legit. The win is the win. Yeah, you can't take it away from him. Never. That was the first time I saw Karate Kid. I, I wasn't, I've never watched all the way through. I, I'm not super happy with it. Like, it's fine, but I, he's just unbearable. Have you seen the new Karate Kid? With Jaden Smith? No. I've also seen bits of that. It was terrible. Yeah, I, I heard that one was bad. At least this one has, like, the 30 years of, no, no, it's the Karate Kid. You gotta watch it. He's the best there is. Yeah. No. Yeah, Okay. All right, so let's move to the best choreography slash stunt. I go first here. I went with Romeo Must Die. With Jet Li kung fuing his way out of the jail cell while he's suspended by his foot. They've just got him in there hanging by a foot, and then he breaks out. He starts throwing chains at the guards. He starts, like, choking them out and gets a kick on one of them, gets himself out of the chain, and then just sneaks out of the prison. They add in some of those uh, like late PS2, Xbox 360, Mortal Kombat X-ray effects, which are always really cool. Nice. When he's breaking bones. knees and shit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a little slow motion. Yeah, so that was just a really cool use of Jet Li's abilities, I thought. Jet Li had a run there of just awesome shit. Yeah. Using and he... everything. Well, and he started doing the Americanized Kung Fu movies. Like, he really, in the, the early 2000s, was like, no, I'm here. I'm going to make some of these movies. He was it. Yeah. Uh, so, on a side note here, I, I don't know how I missed this in 2000. It's DMX, Aaliyah, Anthony Anderson, Jet Li. Like, I, I, 12-year-old me should have been all over this movie. I, I wasn't, though, for whatever reason. Um, so, I just watched it. And sure Aaliyah did. was surprisingly great in this movie. And it's not really an easy movie to be great in it's it's not like the script and the the, the plot of the movie is not great like the it's they're trying cutter. yeah they're they're trying to kill off people because they're trying to buy up all the waterfront property so the oakland raiders can move into town or something like whatever romeo must die yeah and i never when Aaliyah died, I never fully understood kind of the allure of Aaliyah because I was too young to get it at the time. Uh, when she died, I, I had only heard like a very limited amount of her music, and I don't think I'd seen her in any movies. She was only in two movies before she died, but like I hadn't seen anything of her. But like after watching this movie, I, I kind of start to get it a little bit more. Um, I I because it always seemed like losing Aaliyah was this tragic loss and yes it was because she was young and and all of that and she had her whole career in front of her but like people put her up there on like notorious big tupac michael jackson level of how tragic it was that she was lost and i was just like 
her music's fine, but <laughs> it's it, high. yeah, like it's it's okay. It's, it's I don't think it's on the level of any of those. But then when I'm watching this movie, it, it made more and more sense. Like every time she's on screen, she's just extremely captivating. You get lost in whatever she's saying because she has this poise and grace. And it even happens when the dialogue is bad. And this is all her first acting role. And she is really amazing at being captivating. That she is. And side side note, she was offered the role of Juliet in Romeo plus Juliet, the one with Leonardo DiCaprio. That went good. That movie's crazy. Like, absolutely bonkers. And I couldn't imagine how much greater that that movie would have been with Aaliyah instead of Claire Danes as Juliet. Uh, I could honestly, I could see it. I could see it. It would be great. Can we get like one of those holograms like they did of, uh, Carrie Fisher and, and just throw her in there anyways. That would be sick. What did you have for the best choreography or stunt? Best choreography. <clears throat> I chose two movies actually in okay. the same series, uh, the raid and the raid two or the raid redemption. Those. I didn't think of those until way too late. I was like, Oh yeah, the raid. Everybody says those are really good. Woo. That's on me, buddy. I would have picked the last fight scene in flashpoint. Obviously I already picked it, but the raid and the raid two are both just unreal, man. It's, it's amateurish. It doesn't have the big budget that a lot of these other – I mean a lot of these other movies don't even really have big budgets, but they have even less so. So it's it's pretty much all people like genuinely fighting it looks like. Um, and it's just – it's so good. There's a two-on-one fight in the raid too. There's a lot of weapons fighting. It's you know a police officer trying to escape from a building after a raid gone bad and mm. so good. So good. I, I can't really give it justice, but the way it's written and performed, it's it's something you kind of got to see to believe. Like I would just look it up on YouTube and see what you think, um, but it's, it's so clean. It's so fast-paced. It's kind of got the allure of those one-shot hallway fights like in Daredevil or Old Boy, um, but it's still got a few cuts in there and stuff like that. They're just experts – duking That's, it out it's not the one with paul walker is it that was attack the block isn't it yes <clears throat> i think 2011 john boyega mm, no paul walker so this is where we need audience reactions i know he was in one of these movies because it was in in furious 7 he goes against, uh, I don't remember the actor's name, but they have a matchup there, and it's like a rematch of whatever that other movie was. Was it The Raid 2? Yeah. I don't remember him in The Raid 2. I don't see him. It's it's not necessarily, I mean, it's borderline kung fu movie, but it's, it's fucking dope. And follow-up for that? Hours. A runner-up, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Nice. Yeah, I, mean, I never saw that one. I've never seen the whole thing through, but I've watched that sword fight scene 2,000 times. By 2,000, I mean 20. It's not the Raid 2. He's not in the Raid 2. I'm the, I've, I just I'm looked up the Raid road. 2, and it says Paul Walker in the credits. Well, I'm looking at Paul Walker, and I don't see him in there. 
2009 Fast and Furious, 2010 Take Fast Five, Equal Nine, Hours. And he it was, was Brick the fourth person. Yeah, but he, it, he's not in there. I'm telling you. Look up the Raid 2 on Google. I just looked it up it. on IMDb. Just Google it. It just says Paul Walker. He's not in. He was dead by 2014. Doesn't mean it can't, It was filmed in 2014. That's a two and a half hour movie. I never realized it was two and a half hours. We're all the way down this rabbit hole now. Nah. All right. We got to get out of this rabbit hole. All right. So let's go to the worst choreography and stunt. Uh, and that goes to the man with the iron fists. Nice. Obviously. As long as you gave it a worst of something, that means I did. shit. Uh, and I went with the opening scene here. Uh, everyone is just like, move. it's when they're killing the gold lion, I think. Uh, everyone moves around so slowly, and Riza like shoots the scene in a way that it's supposed to look like it's slow motion, but it's really not slow motion. It's just that these guys clearly can't do anything impressive. Yeah, so they're just moving slowly to make sure they hit their marks and hit get the choreography right. Um, the stuff they're doing is not cool in any way, even if it wasn't like super slowed down. And uh, they they like step on each other's feet and then they kind of grapple each other and walk in step. And then one guy just rips another guy's arms off at the elbow with the slowest, weakest grapple pull I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, it's not it's not good. It's, it's not. There was no choreography director like. HBO shows have better shit. Yeah, it was uh, it's bad, it's bad. Yeah, it's okay, everyone, you guys should watch it just to see how terrible it. I that would was... like to watch that when I was shit faced or something. I mean, that was a little bit why I went into it. I was like, I've heard it so bad, I've got to check it out for myself. And it was Tony Jaa is the guy that Paul Walker fights in Furious Seven. Oh yeah, okay, that's what Tony Jaa is like big time. Worst choreography and stunt, the RZA. Man of the Iron Fist, obviously. And what did you have? I just want to leave one thing with the RZA. Dude, you suck. The movies are not good. If you're listening, RZA. Yeah, go make another Wu-Tang out. And, and let everybody buy it. And just, yeah, just don't let your shitty Kung Fu movie writing carry over to your dope rap lyrics. Also, I'm sorry, Paul Walker was not dead in 2014. Or, well, yes, he was. He was dead in 2013. But Furious 7 came out in 2015, so that speaks to your point of he could have obviously filmed scenes before that. I mean, it'd take so. a while. I mean, the Raid 2, that's big budget, bro. He's not in the Raid 2. It's not on his IMDb page. That's all I'm saying. All right, what is your worst choreography? Uh, So I went with a movie where the majority of combat is hand-to-hand. There's just not much of it. So it's not necessarily a kung fu movie, but I stumbled upon it uh, in my research, and I had to nominate it for something. And that was Dave Franco and Mark Ruffalo fighting in Now You See Me. <laughs> so bad. Oh, my God. It's fucking – It definitely like, does not qualify as a kung fu movie. There's no way. So you, you remember Alex Ryder? Remember how terrible yes. that movie was? Like yes. how hammy it was? It is exactly this way. Well, Dave Franco is supposed to look like an action star, and Mark Ruffalo is supposed to look like a badass, and he's a bumbling tit, and it does not work in the slightest. The only cool thing about it is Dave Franco kind of throws some fireballs at him, 
but there's a point where Mark Ruffalo is wrestling with a CGI sheet and it's not good. And they're like, the dialogue is absolutely terrible and they can't, neither of them can fight. You can tell neither of him, neither of them have taken a second of like choreography training, have been in a fist fight in their entire life. And, uh, of course not. I mean, this is probably like the third take and they're like, fuck it. It's good enough. No one's going to watch this shit-ass movie anyway, so let's go. It's terrible. I, I just ran across it, and I had a, I watched it three or four times because I'm just like... It's a good what? movie. I, I enjoy the movie. What the fuck is this? They could have left that out completely and it would have been yeah. fine. Uh, and that absolutely. was it. That was it. It was terrible. You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I like Awful. that movie. It's, it's not, it's a not a good movie. fight scene. No. It's fucking now you see awful. me... Err is bad. Part two, not good at all. Now you see me, er, er, er. Yeah. It's it's okay to just have one movie, it'd be good, and move on with your lives. Yeah, pretty much. But Hollywood can't do that, Calvin. No. Shout out Logan Lucky. Do you think they're going to make a Logan Lucky too? I hope not. I, I think there were not. talks of it, though. I really hope not. I think they shouldn't make a second Knives Out. No. They're already in production. Yeah, that that's a bad idea, too. No, because it, like it's it. just following like Daniel Craig and Lakeith Stanfield, which I'm all for. I like those guys, but like Knives Out doesn't make any sense in that context because that was about that family that they were uh, investigating. So it, it's not about the detective. So why not just like spin it off as Detective Clouseau or whatever the fuck his name is? It's it's his movie now. We're not. It's not Knives Out anymore. We're not with That's this family with all the knives. That's what they're they're following because he's that. You know, yeah. revered detective. But well, let's yeah, be he's... honest. Chris Evans was the tour de force in that movie. His sweater game definitely was. Mm-hmm. Uh, I still uh, think it would Keith Stanfield more to do in the second one. I do too. I His, like, calm bewilderment at stuff was great. He's... I love Keith Stanfield. Yeah, he's fantastic. He is fucking nice. awesome. So now we're on to the biggest stakes, a.k.a. why are they kung-fuing? Nick, what do you got? I got Kiss of the Dragon, one of the many dragon kung-fu movies. This is a Jet Li movie, 2001. Um, Kind of flew under the radar for a lot of people, but basically he's a cop in a new country. He's from – I want to say he's from Hong Kong. And he goes to Paris to help solve like this prostitution drug ring problem. Then he gets blamed for the drug ring, and also he has to protect, like, a family friend's store who he's kind of staying with and save a prostitute and her daughter who is being sold into sex slavery. Very fucking And intense. they're trying to move the Raiders to Oakland, and they're buying up all the waterfront properties. Although there's, there is several waterfront property scenes. One even takes place on a boat. When they're and going with the rendezvous. he has a, a relationship with Aaliyah. And there's like 15 things here. Come on. And, and, and the prostitute pees in the street. I remember that because she tries to go in his store and he's like, nah, bitch, you fucking stink. Get out of here. And she's yep. like, all right, well, I'm just going to pee outside. And then he's like, okay, well, uh, come use this restroom. And gives her like a bunch of fucking puff corn chips. It's very weird. But I used to watch that when I was like... 10 my little brother was seven we're like oh my god this is the coolest fucking movie in the world your description of the plot of this movie and why the stakes are so high reminded me of like how you go to taco bell and you order and you say taco bell is the only place where you can say and like 12 times and still get your meal for seven dollars in 2006 
I mean, I, a bean burrito is a dollar twenty nine. Shit. You get a bean burrito and tacos and a quesadilla and, like and some chips and cheese and a drink and like you just keep saying and and then you get to the end of it you expect you're gonna be spending twenty five dollars and it's like not nah, nine bucks sweet. When was the last time you went to Taco Bell? Not too long ago. Oh my god. I don't order as much food now though as I used to when I, used I go to, there. Yeah. Give me four beefy five layer burritos. Yeah. Now, now I say like they're on one the dollar menu. My order. Oh my god. They used to have so much good shit too. It's like chicken chipotle frap, flatbreads. Mm. Anyway, also, uh, it, this was uh, my runner up for finishing move because he uses chopsticks to kill someone. He like oh, puts them between his knuckles and shoves them through his neck like Wolverine. Oh, god. So, and, and final move, too, because the Kiss of the Dragon, where it gets its whole title, he wears, like, wristbands throughout the movie with needles, acupuncture needles in them, mm-hmm. and he uses those in combat, which is really dope, to, like, paralyze people, and uh, that's how he kills the big bad in the end, is he hits him in, like, the brainstem, and it gives him an aneurysm. It's fucking sick, bro! I, I sounds like it. <laughs> so I went with The Matrix. That's a big one. Yeah, a lot of stakes there. They're going to save the entire world from the machines and wake up humanity. Whoa. Well, Whoa. I know Kung Fu. <laughs> Dude, I, I was, so I was talking to my buddy, and I was like, yeah, we're doing Kung Fu movies. Are you going to talk about The Matrix? Yeah, bro. I know Kung Fu. <laughs> I, there's not much more to say about The Matrix and the stakes of The Matrix. Like Everyone gets it at this point. Neo has to become the one and save the world. And I love The Matrix, but I don't know that the moral of the story comes across as it should. I think it's been confused over the years. Well, so Neo is, at the end of The Matrix, he's officially the one, and he's on a mission to wake up as many people as possible to save them. But why is he doing that? So they can live in this hellscape that Zion has become and try to fight these evil robots? Isn't it just good? Chunky jizz soup for three meals a day? Isn't it good enough for people to be living in the best time ever? Well, you know, according to the machine overlords, the best time ever, blissfully unaware that there's something more that they're missing out on. Like, they're being taken care of by the machines. The machines are keeping everyone alive. They're keeping them happy in this world. Uh, How does waking them up have a better chance, or waking them up has a better chance of killing them than just letting them be out in the world? Hashtag Cypher did nothing wrong. (laughs) Well, I also think this uh this neo character mm-hmm. he might be a communist icon calvin and i for one as a red-blooded american don't like that because all these yeah. people you see they have jobs they're providing energy clean energy aoc so you don't get on my case here for the machines which you know duh like that's yeah. whoa that's the best part about it they have jobs good working americans why you gotta fuck that up Neo. Yeah, all their commie. needs are met. They have food, shelter, clean living space. I don't know if it's clean, but it looks clean. It's cleaner than the shithole they're living in. Fuck, they wear raggedy ass holy shirts and beanies everywhere. You know, there's no heat. It's winter time, and they're like, "Shit, I wish Morpheus would crank that heat up." And he's like, "No, this energy is precious." You know, you know what our people had to do for this shit. You wouldn't believe it. Yeah, let's keep everybody underground in this city where there's literally no space to move, and they we're throw constantly lit parties getting attacked by octopus robots. Lit parties. Yeah. 
Good, yeah, good orgies. Good orgies. <laughs> what did you get, have for the lowest stakes? They get sweet plugs. It's true. <laughs> uh, I got 1978. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Speaking of the plugs, how often do you think people try and have sex in the plugs? Like stick their dick in those metal objects? Yeah. You know what's happened. Zero percent of the time, dude. Oh, I don't think that, anyone's that small or look, has that tiny if, of a dick. If there is a hole on somebody's body, people are trying to stick their dicks in it. You don't think during that orgy, nobody tried to stick their dick in one of those body holes? Probably. They're like, I want to feel – I want to fuck your brain. So I want to feel you. Dude, that sounds – oh. Ooh. All right, so, so now get on to your lowest stakes. 1978's brain fucking, uh, the Matrix. <laughs> no, uh, drunken master Jackie Chan. Um, mm. he's literally just a dick. He's a. He's I watched a little... no Jackie Chan movies during this. Oh man, brother. Uh, this is I've one seen of Jackie Chan's. Rush Hour two and three. So. This is where that. he he kind of got his start. Um, <clears throat> and he's literally just a hooligan. Uh, he just causes a lot of shit. So his dad's like, Hey, you got to go to this martial arts master and, uh, work really hard to redeem yourself. And then his dad, who's a business owner, has an assassination attempt done upon him, uh, and is injured. He's not killed. He's injured. And Wong, who is Jackie Chan has to fight Yim, who tried to assassinate his dad that has like this, you know, righteous, special, deadly move. It's a kicking style. In a secret technique called the Devil's Hand, see, mentioning that technique, and mm. Jackie Chan gets to utilize his drunken, you know, kung fu that he learned from his master, who he had to go to to be punished in the first place. Stupid. He's a hooligan, and he got te- he got taught how to fight like a motherfucker. He's kind of a bully, and then he taught him this like unbeatable kung fu technique, and there you go. It's a complete story of revenge, and I'm there for it. Nice. Yeah, but like you said, good good revenge story, no stakes other than him getting what he wants. Pretty much. His dad so got his dad got beat up and so he's like, eh, I'm going to get to utilize this kung fu that I didn't know I'd need because I didn't know my dad would be beaten up. I just had to do this cuz of my dick. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. I was running low on options here and I went with Mortal Kombat, the uh 2021 version. They're fighting for supremacy in a tournament that no one even knows about outside of, like, 15 people. And even if they win, it doesn't mean anything. And if the bad guys win, they're just champions. They had, like, very small plans to take over the world, but, like, weren't even concerned with that. They just wanted to be the winners. Uh, They, they just wanted to cheat so they could be crowned the winners. They, they didn't have very, you know, any good plans to do anything after they won. They just wanted to be claimed... Hey, we are Mortal Kombat's winners. Well, you think. So I looked at it like this. Even if they had ambitions of taking over our world, I feel like they would just be a sloth in paradise. It's like, oh my god, my world's not on fire and slowly falling apart and everyone's got ripped open jaws and four fucking arms and crazy shit. There's yeah, hot Goro's going to find run. himself a nice massage parlor and just like sink it. If they take over the world, you already know. And get a hot tub. Like, I don't even care about taking over the world. I'm cool with this province. Yeah, it's sick. I'll be the overlord here, and we'll call it a day. I and think like, the plans are just fall apart. 
it's great that they can beat Sonya Blade and uh, fucking Raiden, but they're not going to stand a chance against the world's militaries. Sorry. No, they would just bomb you. He didn't. Yeah, he didn't have like a whole army around him. He, uh, what is it? Shang Tsung? Is that who it yeah, is? Shang Tsung. Yeah. He he didn't Shang have any Tsung. army or anything. He had his like seven people that he was gonna come and be like, yeah, hey, we won the Mortal Kombat tournament, so now we're taking over your world, and everybody just be like, the fuck? Yeah. No. No. Dude, this is America. No. Dodge this. So, nice Matrix call back there. You like that? And I had an honorable <laughs> mention to Romeo Must Die of the the aforementioned clear out the waterfront space for the Oakland Raiders stadium. <laughs> I could totally see what's his name, Al Davis. I could yeah. totally see him hiring a you know, ring of gangs to clear out space so his Raiders can have a new stadium. And I think there also needs to be mentioned that there should be about a hundred more honorable mentions here. All of these classic kung fu movies have basically no plot or stakes from what I could tell. They're just like a thin list of reasons or complaints why the protagonist had to fight people and, and keep 50 percent of them are defend honor of someone myself or the or my home studio my home dojo yeah. or just not, my not style really of world ending shit there like the matrix no you insulted wing chung we need to fight to the death it's not like that anymore all right so on to the final category the best finishing move I go first here. I went back to the Kill Bill franchise with Kill Bill Volume 2 in the five-point palm exploding heart. It's just savage. Yeah. Well, and then first she comes in and she kind of uses it. She, like, half uses it uses it to snatch Elle's eyes out of her face or, like, the the one eye she has remaining. Yeah, that was in gross. just this super brutal scene. Yeah, it was gross. And she's just so like quick and smooth with it you barely see that it's coming and then it happens and it's done and i'm not a big uma thurman fan but i I really liked her take on this i thought she did a really great job of being the bride and and putting everything that needed to go into that and the other thing that i like about this move is that you get that delayed reaction from it and like bill knows he's fucked and he's just got to sit there and die Uh, but he has enough time to get out his last words take a few steps away you know he really gets to fully explore himself in his last minutes and in such a violent movie it's kind of cool that the way the the big antagonist dies is he just slumps into a pile on the ground it's kind of like in in the harry potter books how voldemort dies like any other human it's kind of a parallel there well he uh he got more than she ever did which was you know he tried to kill her and leave her in this church well, he was getting married to her, man. That's so fucking terrible. He wasn't getting married to her. The, the she ran away from him. I don't remember those movies all that well. Yeah, she she ran away. She found out she was pregnant, so she ran away and started a tried to start like a different life in Little Rock and was marrying some other random dude. And that like the assassins all chased her down and killed everyone. Fucking Little Rock, man. Gotta look out. Yeah. This is mean. All right. So, what was your best finishing move? Uh, I went with The Matrix, and that's, that's when Neo farts before launching through the a- for Agent Smith's chest and making him explode in a large spectacle of light and pieces of his face. Thought yeah. that was pretty cool, man. It I, is. I remember first watching that and just being like, did he just shit his pants? Like, <laughs> what is he doing? And even still, I it's like, what 
I, I remember reading what that was about, and it made sense, but I will always think, like, this dude just ripped a massive fart after getting fu- getting fucking shot nine times. You know, he's dead on the floor, and he just wakes up, rips ass, jumps through someone's fucking chest, and they explode. I haven't seen The Matrix in a while, but now I know anytime I watch it in the future, I'm not going to be able to not think about that, so thank you. You've never thought about that? that no. He, he's just, like, farting and bending reality. <laughs> It looks like he's farting, like he's shitting his pants and then... And this is this is your idea of a good finishing move. Shit your pants as That's a projectile sick, into dude. another dude's chest. Yeah, and then he explodes. Very efficient. There's no blood on him. Very efficient, Calvin. Just shit. Well, he's a computer program. Why would he have blood? Why would he have shit? There you go. But it's, he still does. Yeah, everything about The Matrix is great. You could have, in the same way that you could have picked The Man with the Iron Fist for every succulative, you could have picked The Matrix for probably every superlative in this as well. I mean, you genuinely could have. Yeah. But we're not allowed to, so we didn't. So now we're on to the final award, the final, final award, which is the worst finishing move, and I went to the classic Kung Fu Panda and the Wuxi Finger Hold. Wuxi Finger Hold. Uh... This is a damn near impossible move to pull off. You somehow have to catch your fingers, your opponent's finger perfectly, and then I guess just hope that they don't move while you're only holding their finger. And then the move itself is just more or less an atom bomb of Cheeto dust that somehow destroys your opponent. And I've never seen this. I've never seen the sequels to Kung Fu Panda, but I assume this tiger guy comes back. I don't think the Cheeto dust killed him for whatever reason. <laughs> Apparently that's the kryptonite for tigers. It's just loads of Cheeto dust. And now the whole city is also covered in Cheeto dust. So, like, what the hell are you supposed to do with that? I'd be pissed if I lived in that city. I'd be thrilled. Be like, well, slap me some Cheeto dust on this and this and this. We have a place around here, I haven't tried it, that puts Cheeto dust on, like, chicken wings chicken fingers like Yo, they'll, hot they'll fry cheeto up chicken, chicken yeah, fingers they do hot they do hot cheeto and regular cheeto dust on those chicken fingers get you some hot cheeto chicken fingers with... i don't think i could do it oh man it's fantastic it doesn't look appetizing do you like ranch at all yeah it's great to dip with like some some legit buttermilk ranch like main mainstream hidden valley brand type buttermilk ranch none of the high v versions or walmart versions Gotcha. You gotta get the real stuff, and it's fire. Or sour cream, surprisingly. Most people wouldn't think of that, but it's very good. Alright, well, so back to the Wuxi finger hold here. The The biggest problem with this is Poe already had Tai Lung. That's the tiger's name. I apparently wrote it down here. He had him down and out with a giant belly bump that, like, shot him into space and cratered him back into the earth, which was a much better finishing move, and had it been the actual finishing move, would have been my pick for best. But... Now, on top of that, he has to cover the whole city in Cheeto dust, which is just whack. Like, why are you why are you going this extra step? You've got him down and out with your belly bump. The belly bump's a better move. Probably because he's fat. He's, he's like, the hey, dragon warrior. Fatty. Get your Cheeto dust on out here. Not a fan of the Cheeto dust. So what was your worst finishing move? I chose Chong Lee's uh, from Bloodsport. His mm. two major finishing moves is a knee to the chin, which we've all watched some UFC. That shit ain't, you know, occasionally will knock someone out or kill them. And then the the fucking chin slap or the slap to the back of the head, 
he like waves to the crowd and he's like oh yeah watch this shit and dude's just like and fucking you know he's dead it's dumb i don't it's whack worst finishing moves have no flair yeah chung chung lee can suck it and suck it then you suck it then you suck it suck it suck it suck it well i'm just gonna be like i told you no already quit saying that <laughs> then you suck it then you suck it alright so we have covered a lot we gave out a lot of awards we gave out the best and worst fight sequence the best and worst protagonist the best and worst choreography or stunt the best and worst stakes or why are they kung fuing why they are kung fuing and the best and worst finishing move so if, if you've got any of them just rewind listen to the whole thing again we don't mind but now it's time for what would you do? And the first question has to be, who is your, out of all these Kung Fuers that we've watched, who's your favorite and why? Jackie Chan. Oh, yes. Not a I, good dude, that Jackie Chan. Apparently not. He's kind of a hooligan. I personally, I think Donnie Yen's like a better martial artist in a straight fight. But the way Jackie Chan Seems to always use the environment in his movies and just his crazy styles. Yeah, he does some it. really cool things. Even like I've only seen the Rush Hour movies with him in it, and he does some really cool things of use, like you said, using the environment around him to uh, gain gain an edge. He doesn't like he doesn't necessarily hit people with things, but he it, I think it's Rush Hour two when they're in a casino, he like slides through the little casino cashier window. Yeah, the bars. Yeah, that's that's an impossible thing to do, and it was he really did it, and yeah, I like, watched those outtakes too. He's he's crazy that he can pull some of that stuff off and try some of that stuff. I can't believe he's not dead. Like legitimately, I cannot believe this man's not dead. He's had a lot of big injuries. I've I think yes. Uh, I just I think Jackie Chan's great. He's hilarious for one, and very good at martial arts. So that's my favorite kung fuer. Donnie Yen's a close second. I like Donnie Yen. Um, I it, this was hard for me because like I'm not by nature a kung fu movie fan, and so and I didn't get to watch as many of these as I would have liked to to prepare for this. Um, so I'll just kind of like compare some eras here of like Bruce Lee appears to be incredibly effortless in all of his kung fuing and like all of the stunts he does, um, and that makes those movies feel more real, and that's probably due a lot to the limitations of the time. Because his movies, when they were created, you you didn't have any effects. You couldn't do wire stunts or anything like that. So everything had to be real. You couldn't fake most of the stuff that they're doing like you can now. So I think that's why it looks a little cooler and a little bit more lived in. It's like comparing, you know, Star Wars to Rise of the Skywalker, Rise of Skywalker, right? The 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 practical effects often look more realistic or more like a more lived in world absolutely 100 percent like it's it's uh it's also had the benefit of being new and kind of unique at the time like what mm -hmm. he was doing was very different than anything else that had been produced but your practical versus cgi 100 percent agree with you on that well it's not even cgi it's i, I think it's more like elaborate stunts so when you watch Jet Li or you watch the Jackie wire Chan, shit yeah you watch Jet Li or jackie chan later in his career in these more modern movies, they, they seem to be taking a lot more chances with the stunts. You know, they're not afraid to use wires and props to get the point across of what they're trying to do. 
And so they have, you know, they have these much more elaborate stunts, like I said, and those end up looking really cool because they're doing things that aren't physically possible. Right. Right. And, and they're not afraid to play around with that. They're not afraid to get hurt in that. And, and when you compare that to like Donnie Yen's movies, he's doing more of the straightforward martial arts than kind of this flying around stuff. That absolutely makes more sense. It's very centered on the martial arts itself instead of the extravagance or, mm -hmm. you know, neatness of it. Right. So in in my mind, and I think in a lot of people in the world's mind, kung fu movies have this history of being very similar and uh, you, you don't get much depth from them. So to you, what makes them so enjoyable that you keep watching different ones? Uh, honestly, it's just like a, you know, a corny action flick. Sometimes mm -hmm. I just want to turn my brain off and watch a movie. A lot of times they're goofy and they, they all have like a, a very, they're very similar in, you know, makeup, but their identities are all different. They're, they all have their unique little spectacle, their unique little claim to fame, their unique little spice. Um, it requires watching them to discover what that is, but often it's, endearing in a sense you know it's just it's outrageous <clears throat> and that's what i enjoy about it i sometimes i just like turn my shit off and not have it be part of like a greater anthology that i give a shit about or stuff of that right nature. you don't have to worry about the depth it's a, it's a good kind of mindless not filler it's kind of but, tight but, too it's like oh, yeah shit, it, man, this it, dude's whooping his it gives ass you something to look at right, right. I, so as I'm watching through a lot of these, I, I realize I like the ones where they mixed in different genres. Your Kill Bills, your Matrixes, uh, even like Romeo Must Die, where that's kung fu mixed with a romantic comedy in a way. Uh, same thing with like the Rush Hours. I like those because they're the comedy mixed with a, a little bit of kung fu in there. Uh, they Those all feel like more complete movies. But then when I'm watching the more classic kung fu movies, or, or even some of the modern ones that focus on the kung fu and the martial arts more so than storytelling... I'm looking right at you, Flashpoint, with this. It's hard to watch several of those in a row because they're not. There's good. no plot, right? There, it's all very thin plot, and there's almost no stakes, and that's just not interesting to me. I I watch movies for the most part for the sto storytelling over cool stunts, and having one without the other doesn't really work for me. And I I'm well aware that you're going to point this out to me of the irony of saying all of this while also being fully invested in the fast and furious franchise to the point where it's one of my favorite franchises. I, I get that. I'd rather watch that dumb action than this dumb action because it's personal, the Kung Fu personal. dumb action all just kind of blends together in my head. And like I said, I zone out during it. So that's how I am with Russia or Russia or fast and furious. No, man, they're shifting gears. Revving Dom's their engines. Screaming about family. Corona. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Big ass foreheads. Ludacris and Tyrese are making jokes. Yeah, yeah. There's some good stuff in there. All right. So the last and final question, probably the most important one. Could you Kung Fu your way out of a tight spot? No. Well, or, I can... or how tight of a spot could you realistically see yourself Kung Fuing your way out of? Uh, requiring any form of technique, zero situations, because I am a wild animal. I, I can fist fight fairly well. It's been a few years, uh, but I can I can handle my own. Definitely not in any graceful or structured way. It's very it's very wonky. You would not be the All Valley 
karate tournament champion? No. I would have, you know, if came down to it, kicked his knees in to get away. Yeah, I, I'm with you. There, there's not a chance in hell that, like, if karate is my way out of something, it's not happening. No, I'm just going to box your ears in and call it a day. I can't kick my legs very high. I'll just, like, give you the money that I have on me and be like, yeah, fine. Yeah, bye. This is what you want. You got it. I grew up with a buddy who was, like, obsessed with with uh, taekwondo. And in high school, he got fucking destroyed. He was, like, a six-degree black belt. And he ended up breaking this kid's wrist just for because he could. Like, he's an asshole about it. And then his older brother came, year older, not e- like not any bigger, not any stronger, no martial arts training, and just dog walked the fuck out of him. His taekwondo was useless. Yeah, it's fucking useless. Right. All right. You got anything else on kung fu movies? No, I've talked my heart out about it, and I am yeah. so happy that I did. All right. Thank you to everyone who listened to this. Uh, if you listened, if if not, I understand. Like kung fu movies, who wants it? Just Nick. Apparently, apparently, now, there, the, uh, a fucking loser. Now I give it a hard time, coming. but there there are definitely some redeeming qualities here. I, <laughs> no, it was are. mostly enjoyable to watch most of these movies. I I don't think I was ever like fully bored during any of them. Even the Man with the Iron Fist, there was like some stuff I was like, what's going on there? Okay, cool. <laughs> it's, I mean, the spectacle of it is kind of unreal. Okay, Bloods, yeah. Bloodsport was probably the one that I liked the least. I tried re- – like I said, I rewatched that. That was like a, oh, I'm away from my parents to go to bed, and then we're going to watch Bloodsport on VHS. It's like, oh, cool. Oh my yeah. God. I could Ooh. I could see that, the allure of that part of that it. Was, that was – I thought it was the coolest shit on earth back then, and then I grew up and was like, ah, this is kind of stupid. It's very stupid. Sorry to all you Bloodsport heads. Anyway, hit us on Twitter with your favorite Kung Fu movies or your kung, favorite Kung Fu-ers. That's at APA something and at alone underscore podcast. Next month, well, actually, next week will be the Lost episode. This is an episode recorded all the way back in 2018 that never got released because it wasn't good. And finally, right before finale month, we're releasing it to the world so everyone can hear just how not good it was um I, i'm sorry to the guests but you guys know what it is we've talked about it uh the guest was boar meets world we talked about some stuff from boy meets world and uh all sides were just not very good uh, i was sick very sleepy uh just trying to do my best to get through it 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 didn't turn out good so have fun listening to that next week um it's already all produced it'll it'll be up on time uh, so really excited to release that finally. <laughs> and uh, then after that, the month of July will be finale month. We've got a lot of great shows uh, kind of covering some of our favorites from the past, which is going to be super cool to do. And like putting a bow on this show in, you know, going out on top kind of is what we want to do. We're like Absolutely. the good place or Parks and Rec. We're not going to stick around until nobody's listening anymore because you know what? Nobody's been listening the whole time. <laughs> Except you, listener. Uh, so for more from Nick, check out uh, You Are All Alone Podcast and uh, alonepodcast.com. And for my next venture, check out The Magic Number is 3 when it comes to TV. Uh, you can find us at on Twitter at Magic3TVPod. And uh, there's going to be a lot more coming up on that feed very soon. So uh, we're really excited 
to move on with that and to keep this going for another month. And I'm sure Nick's excited about you are all alone to keep going. I don't know. He doesn't ever talk about it. You don't ever ask. Are you excited, Nick? I'm thrilled. Are you not entertained? I have some super dope shit uh, planned out. We're building probably another 12 to 13 episodes of a little bit of world building action. And then it's going to come with a massive payoff. Nice. It's going to be dope. Pay them mofos off. Honestly, what I've been writing to the entire time. Like this has been, I'm getting to my favorite point in my entire story. Abe dies. I get it. Nope. <laughs> Spoiler alert. I'll let you guys know right now. But someone. <laughs> That's dies. good. I like it. If he shouldn't die. So check out all that cool stuff and all of the music for podcasts about something is provided by those cats. You gotta stay sassy. Stay classy. <laughs>